Welcome to Scream Talk. I'm Ann Thompson, and I'm happy to welcome today our uh, executive editor film, Kate Erbland, who's based in New York, who runs the whole uh, film thing because Ryan's on vacation. Ryan Latanzio, our new recently announced co-host, is off. And so Kate and I are going to do the wrap up of the New York Film Festival, which is finally over. It must have seemed like it went on for a long time. Kate, you were there the whole time. No, I, I was there the whole time, but I actually I went home to see my parents in Vermont for the second weekend. That's how long New York Film Festival is. So there are three weekends and you can go home for a weekend and not miss a lot because there's so many days. Yeah, no. So I was just going over the list of all the films that showed there, and I skipped a lot of the ones that are less well-known. I really went with all the ones that I watched uh, at one festival or another, uh, Telluride, Toronto, and now New York. So I'm pretty caught up, really, I would suggest. Um, But you, I want to know from you what you think the big highlights were, you know, the movies that really came out ahead at this festival i'm looking at my my letterboxd new york film festival list i feel like well you know i i didn't get to go to toronto this year because i was ill with covid i'm much better now but so i've missed you i know i missed you guys but i've been playing catch up for the last few weeks in new york film festival obviously a great opportunity to do that because they've got so much stuff that has been elsewhere but looking at my list some of the stuff that i really liked um that i saw new york film festival that made me feel caught up I really enjoyed The Beast, which we we know Ryan is a big fan of. Um, I finally got to see Zone of Interest, which I loved, which I know is kind of a weird thing to say, but I know you feel the same way. And then I think we were both there on what was a Saturday night. We saw that special presentation of The Killer, which was great. And another thing that was fun, but it seems weird to call it fun, but very, very enjoyable and kind of a fun way to end the festival. Well, David Fincher is a specific thing. Um, he's an extraordinary director, and I found myself dwelling on it afterwards. Uh, as the days went by, or as I was lying awake processing things at night, I I kept going over certain scenes. There's a scene that involves Michael Fassbender walking up to this enclosure in in a bad area in New Orleans where he's where this very incredible nasty fight scene ensues but there's this one shot that's just so gorgeous you know I mean, he, so he takes the time he gives you this extraordinary detail and uh elegance as he's telling what is really a very straightforward uh kind of killer story well i i mean i agree with that it's a gorgeous film but i think part of that is because Michael Fassbender's character is someone who spends so much time pacing himself and waiting and watching and dwelling. And so that gives us the chance to do the same as the audience. Like the film opens, he's in Paris and he's, you know, he's situated across the street from this beautiful apartment of this guy he's trying to kill. And you really get the chance to know this neighborhood, you know, this apartment. So when this guy shows up, you can see where everyone is. And it's just, it's very immersive and enjoyable, even though it is, a kind of gruesome hitman story. I loved watching Michael Fassbender do yoga. <laughs> no, he does incredible <laughs> yoga. It's very good. 
It's very sad. Well, he has to bring his heart rate down. I think I wrote on my letterbox. I was like, this is a great Fitbit movie because he's constantly looking at his Fitbit to be like, what's my heart rate? Got to bring it down low enough so that I can shoot my gun and not screw up because I'm breathing too much. I didn't figure that out. So yep. you're, you're ahead of you're ahead of me. But the killer is enjoyable because we're watching people doing what they do well. And, and there's an extraordinary sequence also with Tilda Swinton, which is not to be missed. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's like worth the, the price of admission. Thing is we're spending all this time with Michael Fassbender, but then he gets to uh, encounter her. And it's worth, it's just worth the price of, of admission. What else did you love? So speaking of Hitman movies, I also really enjoyed uh, Richard Linklater's Hitman, which is a very different Hitman film. It's more sort of fun and sexy. It stars, you know, Glenn Powell, everyone's, he's a movie star, but he's not a movie star yet. Glenn Powell's a movie star. And he also, he co-wrote it with with Linklater, which I think is incredible. Obviously, they have, you know, a wonderful oh, bond. That's what he does, Linklater, yeah. with his actors, right? Yeah. He and finds he the stars. Julie Delpy in the past, right? Yeah. So I just, I thought that was super fun. And I saw it with like a, a public audience at Walter Reed and everyone really, really enjoyed it. That's another movie that's going to be on Netflix, but was so fun to see in a theater with a lot of people who are just into it. Yeah, they picked they picked that up. I am miserable that I missed that. Um, it just didn't work out on my schedule, but it's not opening until 2024. Yeah. So I will have to wait. Yeah, it'll be worth it. <laughs> what did you think of May, December? I really enjoyed May, December. I know that I might be the only one on this podcast who did but i think that it is extremely funny extremely well acted i don't know if it has as much to say as people might suspect given the material um it's kind of i mean david ehrlich when he reviewed it at Cannes, he called it campy it is campy and i think that a different filmmaker would have made a more serious film about what happens in you know horrible illegal upsetting relationships but Todd Haynes has a lot of fun with it and I think that Natalie Portman's hilarious and Julianne Moore is just she has this lisp that she keeps tapping into and there's this line where she yells this is not a spoiler she goes you seduced me and it's just like I hear it in my head every day I'm just like yeah Julianne <laughs> just do what you do it's so funny for the people who don't know this is a story about an older woman um, it's based on a true story who who had a relationship with a much, much younger man and and ended up marrying him and having children with him. And it's just very bizarre and strange. And what was the impact on him? And the movie does get into that in a way that that is interesting. And then we have the actress, Natalie Portman, playing the you know learning how to play this part. And that is fascinating because she's sort of ruthless about it. And you start to see as she's picking up various things that Julianne Moore's character does, the lisp, um, stuff she does with her hair, the way she wears her makeup. But as you mentioned, it is based on a true story. It's based on the Mary Kay Letourneau story, which I've sort of been surprised to realize that some of our younger colleagues aren't familiar with. So I'm very curious when this film does come out, also on Netflix, what people learn about this story, because there are there's scenes in the film where they're recreating uh, like tabloid magazines and, and news footage from when the story first unfolded, where Julianne Moore is made to look exactly like Mary Kay Letourneau, the exact same hair, the same facial expressions. And it's such an incredible choice because she's not playing Mary Kay Letourneau. And so I have so many questions about the making of the film. There are different film. levels there, different levels yeah. going on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, no, I'm curious to see how that plays. Because, it, because what happened for me was that I didn't, I didn't feel the campiness. I, I didn't feel the comedy. Uh, I took it more seriously as, as a more of a Claude Chabral film noir kind of thing. And, and so that's a different way of looking at it. Um, and I, 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 people think I don't like it. I like it. I don't love it. It, it, it. That's the way to, to. And you consumed it in it. You felt it in a different way than I did. Cause my thing is I don't think it's very serious. So that's interesting. It makes me want to yeah. watch it again. So all the strangers, Ryan and I talked about at length, um, where, where are you on that one? I fall, I think more toward Ryan's side. I think there's some wonderful scenes. I think, especially with Claire Foy, there are a couple of scenes where Claire Foy is playing Andrew Scott's mother that are really beautiful. But I think there's something sort of undercooked about it and kind of hammy. I do think that it resonates. I mean, it resonates with a lot of people. You you know, read tweets about people going to screenings and just like crying and crying and crying. It just didn't do that for me. And so I, I am interested to see how the conversation changes as more people see. I believe it's going to be at AFI Fest next. But for me, it just it didn't hit the right deep emotional buttons. And we talked about anatomy of a fall quite a bit. Um, um, yep. I'm hoping that Sandra Huller goes all the way. What do you think is going to happen there? I mean, I don't know what's going to happen there. I would, I know when I was there, when you had Tom Quinn on, and I think Tom has a, a lot of big dreams for the things that the film could be nominated for, even though it is not the French Oscar nominee or entry. And I, I don't know. I think that there's still so many questions with this season, especially with the actors not being able to campaign, who is going to emerge? And she's she's able to be out there. And I love her. And, and I she think she's a, a fantastic actress. At the NYFF too. Yeah. I talked to her last week when I went to see uh, The Zone of Interest. There was a special screening of Zone of Interest and she was there. And I love her, but I really... I didn't know how to say this to her. Like, I didn't want to talk to her after seeing the film because oh, her character really? in that film is so <laughs> repulsive. I just like, I couldn't. Um, but that film is is extraordinary. And, you know, you wrote, you had this great interview with her where she talks about both of her award season contenders. And it's just, it's a fantastic season for her. And if anything, more people are just going to see her and see her range. But there were a couple of movies that I think um, needed a little bit of a bump that did get, uh, we're not worried about Maestro. Maestro is going to do just fine. Um and but going to Mars, the Nikki Giovanni um, project is a documentary that debuted at at Sundance, and everything was very quiet because HBO didn't pick it up until very late. And now the Critics' Choice Awards and the Doc NYC uh, shortlist have have happened, and and now the, it, and HBO picked it up. So now we're 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 getting and, and it went to NYFF. It got a great reaction, and she got to do a talk. So that that's the kind of thing where a festival like New York can really push something forward that wasn't really that high profile. The Taste of Things, the French yeah. mission, I would suggest. Um, what else do you think? Uh, poor Things, again, we know that. Poor Things, just like another <laughs> festival where everyone's talking slot. about poor. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's, so that was another. It, I mean, it didn't need another bump, but I definitely got it. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. And what would you? What? What do you think came out a little below the radar, below where we want things to be? Closing night was Ferrari. Did like, and but I feel like at that point everyone had already talked about Ferrari at Venice, and so that's sort of you know I don't. I'm not worried about it. I don't think it's in any trouble, but it didn't get the big push that something like Poor Things or Taste of Things, which have already been at other festivals and been a big deal 
seemed to just like explode even more. You think that there was muted response to yeah. Ferrari? I think so. I quite, I quite liked it, actually. Um, I thought Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz were fantastic. <laughs> and, and that Michael Mann picked this very narrow crucible of time to, to put them through the ringer, basically. Right. Plus, you know, he has to win the race, the Grand Prix. He has right. to win this. He has to, in order to get the money he needs to keep his company alive. His wife has to come through, the, the, who's so angry with him because he has a mistress that she found out about. I mean, all of this is very intense. Um, I found yeah. it very entertaining. Oh, I think it's really entertaining. I think it's fantastic acting. I mean, obviously, Adam Driver is always wonderful. But I think since Venice, people have been saying, no, like Penelope is really, she's the main event here. And I think that that's true. And I think that's great. I want more of that for her. She'll do well. She'll do well. There's no, there's no, there's no question about that. Um, and obviously, when we talk about Maestro, you know, Carrie Mulligan is going to do very well. All right. So onward, the Academy announced that Raj Kapoor and Katie Milan, these are two names that we're not necessarily familiar with, uh, landed the big job of producing the Oscars. And they're calling them the executive producers. And Raj Kapoor is going to be the actual showrunner. This is new. They're they're using television nomenclature, you know, to, to you know. But the question was, when Ricky Kirshner and Glenn Weiss were let go, um, I don't know about you, but I was really surprised that they went to do the Golden Globes because I thought they'd done a good job on the Oscars. I mean, obviously, the past few years with the Oscars, challenges have gone beyond the producing team. So it was a surprise to me that they would then go to the Golden Globes. Like, is this Golden Globes going to be a classier affair? I mean, that would be my first thought. and That would be nice for them. Yeah, it was surprising. Well, the only explanation for why they would go to the Golden Globes is that they weren't hired by the Oscars and that they found out. And I found out that over the summer, they locked in Raj Kapoor. So they they have that's who they wanted. And so so Bill Kramer, who's running uh, the Academy at this point, went through his first Oscars, experienced it, learned what he had to learn right from Kirshner and Weiss. He needed them then, you know, and Weiss was the director as well. Then he was able to just sort of go with the people that he bonded with and and wanted to work with on his team. And there's luckily there's a there's a deep bench there. But that was I I needed an explanation for why that's how it all played out, you know. So uh, forgive me if if uh, but it's Raj Kapoor and Katie Milan and 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 they're going to be running uh, the Oscars this year, and we'll see we'll see how they do. So the other thing that's going on, of course, is the uh, strike, and unfortunately, um, the actors put forward a new. This is about a week ago put yeah. forward a new uh, proposal on on how to share revenue with with the producer, the, the quote unquote AMPTP uh, studios and streamers. And uh, that that went over so badly with the CEOs in attendance, the four CEOs who've been going to all the meetings that they walked out. And not only did they walk out, but they sent out a notice that they were closing down the negotiations. So this is terrible news for for the industry. Well, I mean, especially because obviously after, you know, the writers got their deal, 
there seemed to be such great momentum. And then, you know, the CEOs and the producers have been talking with, with the SAG brass and it was very different than those last few days with the writers, because it was like, there were no leaks, there was no back and forth. And it's so, it seemed to everyone else like, Oh, this is going well, we are, we are on the right path here. And then it was like, not only are we not on the right path, the whole thing has exploded. And I think, you know, a lot of us were thinking, oh, this is going to be over soon. And it does not seem to be. And that's obviously very disappointing for everyone. No. And what the what the what the APTP was basically doing was sending a very loud message that this particular proposal was dead in the water. It wasn't going to fly. And it it had to do with them being able to share every, uh, you know, get a little piece of everything and that that wasn't going to happen. And so I think um, they're obviously they're going to have to come up with some other thing that can be agreed on. And um, uh, I think this is one place where the actors overstepped uh, and didn't realize how far they were uh going to alienate the uh, the MPTP. Um, they want reasonable uh, recompense for their work across yeah. all platforms, but they haven't figured out the right formula yet. It's just, you know, again, and we all thought, felt like we were getting close to something and clearly we're not. But I think anytime you see a message where we're just like, well, we're, we're done. We're walking away. It's just like, what kind of negotiation is this? It's it's not a negotiation. It's just where one side can say, nope, we're done. That's not helping anyone. And obviously, you know, everyone's pretty upset about it. And I think you would, we saw a story earlier today about, you know, some of Hollywood's big stars going and talking to, you know, SAG after talking to Fran Drescher, talking to Duncan and being like, hey, what happened? Which I think they're, they're more- George Clooney, George- Emma- yeah, Emma Stone, Ben Affleck. And I think that's great. But I, w- I would love someone to go to the CEOs and say, hey, what happened? Because I don't know. I wonder if they're feeling a little, um, I'm sure they're feeling disappointed after the writers got their great deal and, you know, maybe hitting back at SAG. And that's ridiculous and just not going to get anyone to any good place. Well, I think part of the message is you think because the writers got such a great deal, you're going to get a great deal too. Uh, yeah. Think again. Yeah. So I agree. There's that's part of the that's part of the message. But having sent the message, they need to get back to the bargaining table immediately. Unless you go back. This isn't just the actors, you know, out for 100 days or whatever it is. It's it's really about the whole industry. It's about IA. It's about all the crew people, all the makeup people, all the different people who aren't working when there's no shows shooting. You can have the writers back in 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 uh you know back writing but that doesn't mean that these shows and t- movies are back in production they're not exactly. all right um so the next thing is what are we looking forward to what what is coming up that we haven't seen that we're about to see that we're interested in seeing well, so tonight, we are recording this on Wednesday, I'm going to finally get to see Nyad, which I am excited about. And then on Friday, I'm fi- finally, you know, this is how we think of these things, going to get to see American Fiction, which had its trailer drop this week, which made me laugh hysterically. So I'm very, very excited. And let's see what else. I know, obviously, Napoleon, we're really anticipating Napoleon. I don't know, Anne, what's on your list? 
Well, I did see American Fiction last night, and it is extraordinary. It, it, you know, it did win the People's Choice Award in Toronto for a reason, um, because not only does it deal with some very serious issues, and we'll get into it later when when we can all t- talk from having seen it, but but it, it, it Jeffrey Wright is fantastic, Sterling K. Brown, um, uh, Felicia Rashad, they're all great. Leslie Uggams. You know, amazing. Um, so, so the, the the cast is terrific. The writing and the directing from Cord Jefferson is is really good. He's he's someone who did well uh, as a writer and 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 director in TV. So this is this is his first feature film. And then you have um, you have the uh, humor. You know, it's hilarious. And oh, uh, Issa Rae is in it too. Um, so it's just, um, it's a family drama slash comedy with a little romance thrown in. But it's really uh, the first time I've had the 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 whole question of how Blacks are portrayed in, in the media uh, really uh, dissected and, and satirized in a way that's hilarious. Yeah, so, and the trailer is so funny. And, you'll see. You know, yeah, it seems like such then, a great role for Jeffrey Wright. So I I could see this getting to a Best Picture nomination. You know, um, I, I it's a smaller movie. It's not huge, so it's a question of how well uh, it does over the uh, over the next few months. Um, um, a, a little box office would would help. Uh, I'm curious to see how that plays out. The other big news, of course, is that um today uh is the opening of killers of the flower moon finally it feels like it's been around for a very long time how many scorsese interviews can you read right i know but it's just like it's one of these like anytime marty announces a new film we are tracking it from the moment he even thinks of it so yes it does feel like it's been out for a long time it only you know premiered at Cannes in may but it is, you know, it's been exciting and obviously got pushed a couple weeks for Taylor Swift, which is so funny. But yes, finally out this week. Yep, yep, yep. And I'm curious to see um, our box office guy has been tracking. It's a three and a half hour movie. So how well it does in theaters is uh, is going to be very uh, interesting. Um, you know, there it's a gangster movie. It's being sold like a gangster movie. There's no question that's how they're selling it. It looks like The Departed more than... Yeah anything else uh but i don't know um when people actually plop their butts in seats how well that's gonna last you know um and and the other movies that are coming up are the color purple um uh which which we won't see until mid-november and napoleon Napoleon. same same timetable so those are the big christmas movies that are yet to come so leave the world behind is opening afi fest (laughs) It's directed by Sam Esmail. It is based on a novel that was um, very popular, as I said, sort of early in lockdown. Um, Julia Roberts, Mahershala Ali, Ethan Hawke. And it's about two families that end up at an Airbnb during a very fraught time in the world and what happens. And the book is really interesting and atmospheric and has kind of an open ending. So I'm very curious about how this is adapted for the screen and how people walk out of it feeling because I didn't leave the book feeling good, but I liked it a lot. So that's going to be on Netflix. Eventually. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Kate. It was really fun having you. And Thanks, we'll Sam. Have you back again. All right. Bye-bye.